welcome to the Modern Miss Mason podcast. My name is Leah Bowden, longtime student of Charlotte Mason's work and practitioner of her methods. I love to share my research, reading, tips and tricks as I travel this rewarding journey and I delight in helping others get the most out of theirs too. Through these conversations, I'll introduce you to fellow homeschooling mums, experienced teachers and practitioners, and expert voices in the subjects that Charlotte Mason encourages as part of the Feast of Education. I hope I can help you find the fun and the freedom in her philosophy. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Miss Mason podcast. I hope you are doing well and have had a lovely weekend. Uh, The clocks went back here in the UK over the weekend, so we got an extra hour, but it is very dark (laughs) at tea time. So um, we are gonna have to adjust again. And I know lots of people with little children do struggle with that because they, uh, you know, are eating and waking and sleeping at all the wrong times. It's like a slight jet lag, isn't it, when we do this daylight saving? Well, I've got an amazing conversation lined up for you today. Take a listen to this uh, as a little taster. I see progress. I do see hands being extended. I see welcome signs being put out and... um, And I just love it. So Amber O'Neill Johnston fell in love with the principles of Charlotte Mason when her oldest was a preschooler. And after wholeheartedly committing to follow Mason's philosophy, she became disheartened when months went by with little mention, if any, of the stories and accomplishments of black people in her schoolroom. The literary quality of the books was better, but she found that the cultural emptiness she experienced as a schoolgirl was being perpetuated within the walls of her own home. She was committed to bridging the gap for her four children. Amber's embarked on a journey of uniquely merging living books with life-giving books to ensure that their education is not a legalistic venture into Charlotte Mason, but an honest experience that honours the truth whilst helping her children to see the Imago Day in themselves and others. Uh, Amber speaks, she writes, and she shares her observations on home education, culture, books, global travel, and more. And when she's asked about her path, she likes to smile and say, in my house, Charlotte Mason has an afro. So you can imagine that we got on very well and her story, her take on the Charlotte Mason philosophy and her experience of how she has integrated that within her family is just beautiful and I know you're going to love it. And of course, like I have been opening all my conversations in this season, the first question I asked Amber was, how did you first meet Charlotte Mason? 
Oh, yes, of course. I remember it exactly. So um, after many late nights of nursing a new baby and I had toddlers and a preschooler in tow, I was just searching online and Googling and reading blogs, 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 blogs. That was everything at that time. And one of the blog posts was a summary about different styles of homeschooling. And Charlotte Mason was one of them. And to this day, I wish I could remember if I had known how significant it would be in my life, I would have kept record of what I was reading. But whatever she wrote piqued my interest. And at the bottom, it said, moms that are interested in this type of homeschooling should read um, for the children's sake. And so (laughs) I just, of course, (laughs) dutifully went over to Amazon. I ordered it. It came. And as you know, when you have little babies that aren't sleeping through the night, you have lots of quiet alone time at night, every night to read. And that's when I read that book. And I feel like it made me come alive because it articulated so many of the natural maternal instincts I had been feeling about my children and about, especially as the oldest was starting to get ready to head to school. And just the things that I thought about that I wasn't sure anybody else thought about, and I wasn't sure how to talk about them. I didn't have the vocabulary or the words to explain Mm. my feelings. And I feel like that book put words to my feelings and it whet my appetite for finding out more about who this Miss Mason was. That's, I mean, just the the kind of language you use there is so familiar, like wetting the appetite and giving giving language to how people were feeling. I always say when I met Charlotte Mason, I felt like I'd, I'd come home. Like, oh, finally, this is this explains what I'm feeling. And and like you said, those those maternal um, instincts, those kind of oh, this is this feels natural to me. And that's exactly what I mean. I totally relate to that. Um, so. When did you, I guess this ties up with a little bit of your homeschooling story, but when did you start to implement her her ideas in your home? Well, it's funny um, because I I consider it to be a blessing that that I was introduced to her before my child officially started school, my oldest officially started school. I just started um, studying and reading and I would say like the year before she was to start kindergarten. So the one aspect I just could not accept in the beginning was that the children wouldn't begin school right away on schedule yes. at kindergarten. <laughs> like that yeah, had my yeah. mind. I couldn't get past that. And so I, um, I said, well, we're going to do a practice here, a kindergarten practice here. And we kind of did that. And I said, I think she's ready to start school and we'll move on. But by the end of that year I, that I spent studying um, Charlotte Mason, her principles, and then also starting to put a toe into the community and being around other mothers who were implementing the same style of education, I actually came to regret that we had started school. And so what I did was I announced to my daughter at the end of that year, I said, oh my goodness, you just finished kindergarten A. I'm so proud of you. Now we're going to do kindergarten B. And so that's actually- So how old was she? She was five. She was well, she was four when we started that year. She turned five in November. And so we did a year of kindergarten and then we okay. did another year of, you know, kindergarten. I just called it that for yes. her. And basically we just well went out into the community and we played and we spent the year outside um, because by then Amazing. I understood. And I was a real believer after that first year. And so then we just kind of 
slowed down a bit, but I had to give her some language that didn't feel like mommy messed up. So she was just going around <laughs> telling everyone. That's brilliant. She said, oh, I'm in kindergarten B. So I don't know what people were thinking about that. But anyway, and then we started with, um, you know, I started her in year one or 1B right there. Uh, as I had since then learned that that was really what I wanted to do. So that was kind of how I yeah. got started. And we just went on right at the beginning. I love that. And, and I love how creative you were. I think that's what we do. We think on our feet. We, yeah. we uh, soften the blow for our children. Yes. And um, those, those gentle, quiet growing, you know, those quite gentle uh, growing times that Charlotte Mason talks about are, are really important, no matter what they look like, I guess, in all our homes are quite different. Uh, and it was interesting in a, in a conversation earlier on in this episode, we were talking specifically about the development of the PNEU. And, and they did start to recognise that there was a need for some earlier kind of more formal learning uh, but that was, I think it was post-Second World War. So they were doing that in schools. Whereas at home, we do have a lot more freedom, don't we? We can give them those uh, gentle years at the beginning and we don't have to align with the school system. Um, I know here they, uh, it's called, what is it called here? Reception year. So it's similar to kindergarten. But um, I think that grand golden year of turning six um that must have been quite exciting for you all as well what did you implement first oh well by then we had I I, I was so anxious Leah I had I had everything laid Where out and I'm just gonna say <laughs> we just did it all like right there from the beginning wow. but um I would say within the year right so we started of course with the reading and the narrating and Okay. Um, the yeah. composer and and artist and poetry, those things came more easily to me. I'll, I'll be honest, the first year of us doing this was really a reflection of who I am. And yes, um, I agree. I yeah, had to yeah. do the things that came most easily to me um, so that I would feel comfortable and it didn't feel like such a chore. And then as we went throughout the year, we added in things that were less familiar to me, like nature journaling and um, some of the uh, definitely the the foreign language taught in a way that was not so formulaic. You know, I understood how to yes. teach it, but I didn't understand how to teach it other than the way I had learned. And so sure. those are kind of the progression. I wish I could say, oh, it was all about my child and what she was most interested in, but really it was about her mother and what she felt she could do. You know, what can I do and <laughs> how do I yeah, feel yeah. like I can get the ball rolling? And also, yeah, and I think that's, I don't think you're alone in that. I think depending on our personality, I really think our personality drives those beginning years. And so I will get people, you know, you have almost these opposite, these polar experiences of people who really want to have the schedules and the timetables. And, and that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think it's if you're, if you are feeling more inclined to be more organic and just kind of go with the flow, but you feel the pressure to do yes. the more organized, that's when there's a clash. That's when you get anxiety and burnout and people just get a bit lost in that. And I think um, the more people I speak to, the more I, the co coaching I do, I realize personality is a huge factor in how we approach homeschooling and how we approach the Charlotte Mason philosophy. So you obviously 
learn learned a lot from those beginning years because I don't know about you but I I did some of that in my first few years many many years ago and then I began to unpick what I knew wasn't working that didn't work for my children or just didn't fit right with our with the culture of our home did you find you were having to undo anything over the years well yes I mean when we first started I was kind of going I'll say textbook, right? Without a textbook, but I mean, I was sure. being, I was, yeah. I had a cookie cutter format, which was totally working for me. So I don't say that with a negative connotation. I loved it. I loved what we were doing. I, I felt impressed, which maybe, you know, yes. that, that I don't know if that was good or bad. Yeah. Maybe that should have been a bit of a warning there, but I, I was happy with what we were doing and, and everything was going smoothly. I was following along with plans that many other Charlotte Mason moms use. And so I felt a sense of community and camaraderie online as well. And I was starting to have a bit of a local community and we were all kind of doing the same thing, reading the same books. We were singing the same songs and we were reading the same poetry and it felt good. And as we were moving along around age let's see, I would say the end of our first year going into our second year, my oldest child, she started really um, acting out in negative ways towards herself, though, no one else. And so she would tell me that she didn't like herself or she didn't like the way she looked. Um, Lots of tears. She didn't like her curly hair. She didn't want it to be braided. Anything that set her apart from the other children that we were around in our homeschooling community. And for her, a lot of that was her skin color. And yeah, we were in a community, um, just homeschooling in general. And then when you add the Charlotte Mason part onto it, but yeah, oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> and then you talk about you're going to go spend yeah. the day in the woods. You know, these are just things that aren't always as familiar in, in our culture. And so we were no. around and people find that hard to believe. They're like, but you live in Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, no, actually, I live in Ackworth, Georgia. It's outside of Atlanta. So I call Atlanta the big city. It's yeah, it's totally different. That's a world away. You know, yeah. that's an hour outing for us for the day. Sure. And so yeah. out where we live, it just you know, it was not, the homeschool world is not diverse there. And so I started thinking, you know, "Hmm, there's something going on with this, with my child, with this little girl. And I don't exactly know how to fix it because I grew up with much the same life that she had. And I felt like, well, I, I was, I felt like I was okay. That was normal. And for some reason she wasn't okay. And so I was chugging along. I wasn't changing anything with our homeschool until um, a day where she shared with me that she felt that white people knew everything and were in charge of everything. And I thought, well, why did you, why are you saying that? And she said, well, because you said we study important things in school and all of the people we study in school are white. And I, I, that must have hit you like hard that is I mean and that for her to say that I mean how important and what a pivotal moment for your family and for your and for what you're doing now uh, that must have changed everything so much and I have thanked God so many times for that that he gave her a voice to speak to me and there's probably no one else who could have gotten that message across to me in that way, besides my own daughter. And so I, um, I basically 
thought about that for a long time. And I thought, what message am I unconsciously sending to her? Because that's not what I intend to communicate. And again, I felt also a little bit embarrassed because I had been happy with what we were doing. So there wasn't even an awareness of what um, choices I was making. And so I took that time to kind of step back and think about it. And what my um, homeschool was reflecting, what values it was reflecting her, what we were studying and who we were studying and what that made her feel about herself. And so from Mm. there, I kind of decided, well, we're going to start doing some things differently. My first move was to add a fourth term. And I just, I giggle every time I think about it because I called it my black term. (laughs) So there were three Charlotte Mason terms and a black term. And so, yeah, all my friends, they just would like crack up and I'd be telling them, you know, they'd be out doing all this stuff. And I'm like, oh no, we're not going to go, girl, you know, we're in our black term. We're going to be at home today or doing this, or we're going to go outside and study this or whatever from George Washington Carver or whatever I was trying to do. So you, you were trying to add something yes. on at that point rather than integrate yes. it. Because okay, that's all I right. knew. That's all I knew to do. And also I still had not sure. given myself permission to veer from what I had seen in my mind was uh, the most legitimate way to be a Charlotte Mason family. Okay. So I had it. That is really yeah, interesting. I had, yeah. I had a picture in my mind of what it means to really, to really do Charlotte Mason the real way. And I wasn't um, willing to veer from that. I just couldn't do it because I felt like if I changed things, then I wouldn't really be doing Charlotte Mason. Yeah. Wow. And so that's, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, that's it. just to yeah. pause at that point, because that's really important because you're not alone in that, are you? I think uh, all across the world, I hear those kind of phrases really from from educators particularly Charlotte Mason educators that whole thing of how do I do this yeah. properly uh and, and over here obviously on the modern Miss Mason podcast we try and veer away from that kind of vernacular really and just really look at each individual family experience but it takes bravery doesn't it I think it takes some courage to start to make those changes. Yeah, it does because I had to be willing to say, for me, I feel differently now, right? But we're talking about the journey. The first step for me was to say that I'm okay not doing Charlotte Mason the right way. And see, that's different thinking. I don't think that way now, but that was my, that was my first step. My, uh, my thought was that I, I just won't do it the completely right way because I have to do what's right by my daughter. And so in and in that time, your mindset was, and I'm if you know if people could see me, I'm doing air quotes here. But the right way was the way you had begun, the kind of formulaic way of following a program. That's what you were yes. referring yes. to. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. And using okay. the books that all Charlotte Mason moms, to me, right now I know that not all, but at the time it seemed all of the moms were using these books, and all of the moms were doing it this okay. way. And so that was the right way. And so in my mind, I said, well, okay, I'll resign myself to not doing it the right way because I want to do this for my child. You know, I want to make sure that she's okay. And so that's kind of where that fourth term came about. And we were doing that for a while. And I have to tell you, it was great. And I like to tell people that because sometimes 
change doesn't always come overnight, that we don't have a fourth no. term anymore. Our homeschool looks completely different than that. But that was a, a midpoint. It was a path to change for me. Yes. And I stayed in that path for a couple of years. And so yeah, sometimes I'm you sure. don't always, you might see that you want to do something and you have a goal, but it, it doesn't just come overnight. Um, and so no that's kind of where we, where we were. And, and in that point where I saw the children blossom during this fourth term, and I saw what it was doing for my daughter, I started thinking to myself, you know, how could something that's so good for her in my mind be um, a concession or something that yes. I have to just resign myself to? And so I started going through all of these issues. Is Charlotte Mason for me? Maybe that's it. Maybe this is not for me because I'm doing something different yeah. and my child is thriving. And when I was doing what what was officially Charlotte Mason, she wasn't. And so I started living through that for a little while. And then I came to the thought that if I could meet her today and we were having tea together, what would she say to me? And I said, all of the things <laughs> yes. that I've read that she wrote, I just don't believe that she would tell me that what I'm doing with my daughter is not what she had in mind. And Absolutely yeah, so not. I started yeah. thinking, okay, I'm going to strip this away. I unsubscribed to every single blog that I was on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh you my gosh, I had to, I had to learn to think for myself. Like we yes, want things thinking children, but here yet I'm being a mother. How yeah, I wasn't thinking, yes. I wasn't thinking for yeah. myself. So I um, unsubscribed to yeah. all of the blogs and I went back and started reading the volumes. And as I read, I just, my heart was full again and back to that same feeling of beauty and, and connection and tethering that I had felt when I first encountered her before all the other voices entered into my head. And what I walked away from is Charlotte Mason is absolutely for me. It's actually the perfect she is. thing for me. Yeah. And that in fact, when yeah. I started bringing some of my own culture and heritage into our homeschool and my children were thriving, that is something that she would be giving me a thumbs up for. And it wasn't something I had to resign That's myself right. to. It actually was the fullness of Charlotte Mason's principles being played out just as they should be in my own personal home. And that was liberating. Yes. Oh, Amber, this is just incredible because what you're saying there, I know will liberate so many people even just listening today. But I was, I'm just thinking now, reflecting on my conversation last week with Julie and I was, had this kind of revelatory moment of, I've been doing some research on this uh, in the 1980s when uh, there was this, resurgence of Charlotte Mason coming back into the forefront of, of education specifically home education in the states and um, and obviously it was little bits were happening across Europe but nothing like it was in the states and I was saying how really I feel like in the 80s um, 
educators were introduced to the person of Charlotte Mason. But yeah, I feel like our generation have been introduced to a program, the program of Charlotte Mason. Not that there's anything wrong or particularly broken about that, but there's always a system created somewhere along the line. And I feel like, and it sounds like your journey too, was that, because I've got similar traits, there's, there's overlaps here in our story, but I wanted to get back to the person. Like how... How did this person, how can her voice and her research speak into my 21st century British family that looks completely different from anybody else? And um, it, when I began to do that, and like you just said, stripped away, went back to the principles, which is what we're talking about, really, it, then it came to life. Then I recognized, ah, this is what I love. This is the first thing that I, that I met. And it's the person and it's her principles because she also was on a journey those six volumes speak of a story arc of her life and so we get yeah. to do that too don't we we get to to reveal that and unravel that um i love it so here you are now now you have got this incredible blog um well done bravo for that it's just beautiful i have been devouring oh, it thank you <laughs> and um yeah well it's just the i mean you know one not to unsubscribe to everyone go over and visit heritage mom blog um when in your journey did you decide i want to share about this now it's time to kind of see if i can help i think it was definitely when i came to the realization that i almost dumped something so beautiful because I had misinterpreted it. And so when I arrived at the yes. other side to say, and I could look back and see where I was mistaken and what I was thinking was Charlotte Mason was actually just one person or a group of people's um, view of, of how they could take what they got out of her reading, um, out of her writings and make it into something beautiful for their homes. And so that doesn't mean there was anything right. wrong with it, but it wasn't for my family. It wasn't, it wasn't for my family. Right. And so when I came to that realization and I thought one, I wonder how many other moms think that in order to do Charlotte Mason, they have to be doing certain things a certain way. I wonder if there are other moms yeah. who would like to hear that I am a traditional Charlotte Mason mom, but I also do things my own way that those two can exist yeah. together. And I wanted to share that, not to say, hey, look at how I'm doing this. You should do it like me. But instead to say, hey, look at what I'm doing. And you can do something that reflects your children and your home and your heart as well. And, and we're still That's using right. those same principles. And wouldn't it be cool if we could all see the I can see how wonderful that is. Like if we could see that with each other's homes in each other's homes and say, good job. Wow, Leah, I love how you are interpreting yes. that and how you're making that come to life in your home. Because what was happening a lot, I yeah. felt in our community was like, well, that's not legitimate, you know, or that's not the right wow. way. And okay. I'm thinking, you know what, if that song is the song that her great grandmother sang to her when she was a little girl to tell her that it's not the right thing, the right type of music to sing in her homeschool with her children is that's, that's horrible. <laughs> like, I, I, 
Yeah. And I think, no, I'm not going to ever use the word right or wrong. I can tell you, well, this is what she said, but you may have a different interpretation of that, or you may have even a reason to do it differently. And so I think that's where the, the blog started almost exactly three years ago. And that was kind of my overriding message that we can do things differently. That was one thing. I also really wanted to speak out as a Charlotte Mason mom of color to say, hey, I'm here and that there are quite a few things that are done or read or are um, kind of laid out in a lot of the on a lot of the websites and blogs and social media that are unfamiliar or less familiar to families like mine. And I wanted one just to, I don't know, I just felt good to just say that like, hey, guys, I'm different. And I just want you to see me. And then also, I wanted to tell other mothers of color, and also a lot of mothers who have children of color, where the mother may not be, but the children and I want to say, I wanted them to see my kids thriving with this methodology, this, this, these principles, and I wanted them to know that um, there was a way to do this that would bring life to their homes. What was it like when you started um, to put that out there? In the was very beginning, positive? it was positive because it was small. So I had people that yeah. it resonated with yes. and, and it was just, you know, it was a small group of people and they loved it and I felt good and we were having a warm little cozy moment. But then as the word started getting out, and of course, the more people that read your material, the more criticism, positive and negative that you're going to get. And so I will say, sure. like my husband always reminds me, overwhelmingly, it's been so positive. And that's what I keep coming back to. But because I am still, I'm a person, right? I'm a, a, you know, a person and I have a heart and I'm, you know, I have feelings, then the few or handful of negative feedback or comments that I've gotten have been very hurtful. So I always wonder, I, I never write back rarely, but I always think to myself, if their intention was to hurt me, then they achieved it. It worked. And, you know, what can Mm. I do to keep going? So for me, a lot of times that's been, at first it was only my husband. I would just cry on his shoulder and be like, they they didn't understand. They don't understand what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to communicate or um, maybe some good friends. And now it's grown where I have enough people who do understand that, they can drown out kind of the negative voices. And that doesn't mean I need everyone to agree with me, but I I do like to speak kindly, you know, as we're having conversations, but sometimes things can get a little ugly online. So um, there definitely are people I know one, one thought um, I get it from both sides. On one hand, I've been told that I, um, some people feel like I don't push hard enough to get people to change their curriculum, get rid of what they're doing to, uh, you know, uh, put, put, do this, this way, do this, this way. You're wrong what you're doing because I never say those things. I'm just giving people ideas and ultimately the mother will determine what's best for her family. And so I don't strong arm people. So on one hand, people are saying you should be harder. You should get people to listen more and they should be putting more, um, writers of color in their curriculum and they should have this and they should have that. And I do talk about these things, but not with a, you have to do this, but more with like a, Hey, it would be really awesome if we were all doing this thing together. And then on the other hand, I get it that she talks about race too much. 
And all she talks about is black stuff all the time. And why can't she just stop talking about that? And, you know, that type of thing. So I'm kind of squeezed in the middle here with both sides feeling that I'm either not going far enough or I'm going too far. But for the most part, I think that it's been eye-opening for a lot of people because um, for a lot of people, they aren't, they don't disagree with what I'm saying. They just never thought about it. And so that's where that's I true. find most people yeah. are. And when I start talking about it, I find that people are generally supportive. And more than anything, I'm mostly speaking to mothers. And most mothers, I found, care about my children, even strangers. <laughs> when yes. I start telling them about my babies and how certain things affect them, they are like, I'm on board with you because I care about your babies. We mm. all care about each other's babies. We're in mama bear mode, right? And so I, for the most part, have right. felt that people were open to hearing what I had to say. And in a lot of ways, they are inspired to do similar things in their homes. Is a Charlotte Mason education good for black children? And this post particularly stood out to me. Um, I think at the beginning you said you'd hesitated posting it. Maybe you'd written it maybe two weeks previous and then you posted it. Um, I, what I loved about it was how you addressed different voices. So you actually spoke to the leaders. You spoke to the, I think you said white mum, you said black mum, you said leader, you said, and, and you drew out a message for how you can do something with with what you've just heard can you tell us a little bit about that post and I will link to it um why did you hesitate to put it out and what was okay, the response so to that? I had written the post um prior to George Floyd being killed in the United States and yeah and so this That's had right. been on my mind for a long time for years I've felt this but sometimes you have to, the blog is very much like a journal for me. So sometimes I have to work things out in yes. my own heart before I feel uh, comfortable sharing. And so I'd written it, but I hadn't, I was in draft form and I hadn't posted it yet. And then that happened. And this huge conversation broke out across our country and even reverberated throughout the world in some cases. And I felt like, it well, did. if I post it now, I'm not sure two things. One, I don't want people to feel like I'm just trying to play off of that. And I thought, well, no one's going to think that because they're going to look at my yeah. blog and see she's been talking about this for years. Um, things, similar topics. Right. And then the other thing was that I was feeling very hurt by a lot of the things that came out. And did I want to, to post yeah. something where I'm saying that something, a community that's seen as being white is a safe place for black families? And I'm thinking, can I, can I still post that? And I held it, I held it. And then I, I read it again. And I said, you know, I still feel that way because, um, yeah, the world's not perfect. We live in a, in a, in a, a sinful fallen world, of course. And it's never yeah, going to, right. yeah. um, maybe look the way that we think it's going, you know, that it should be, um, on our own accord. And, it didn't change. Like the things with the people that I'm doing life with, those things did not change overnight. And I said, I still feel like there's so mm -hmm. much depth to the Charlotte Mason community. And I feel so supported 
by the vast majority of the community that that's what I'm going to go by the 80, 20 rule. I'm not going to look at the 20. I'm going to look at the 80 and how I feel when I'm with these families. How do I feel when I'm at these conferences? How do I feel when I'm at my book club and we're reading through the volumes and and what am I doing? What, What are my interactions with the women in that group and their children? And so anyway, I decided I'm either going to post it just like I had written it without changing anything, or I wasn't going to post it at all. And so after it again, I said, I feel yeah. that all these things are still true and I'm going to stand by them. And so I posted it. Parts of it, um, I think yeah. some of the things that ruffled the feathers were that I kind of pretty much said that this community, when you look in from the outside, is a is for white people. It looks like it's made for white families. Yeah. And um, I, I feel yeah. um, a little saddened because some of the people that were upset, I, I wondered, did they finish reading? Because what I said was, it looks like that. But from someone who took the plunge and went in anyway, because that's just how I am, when I got inside the community, yeah. oh, it felt like a warm blanket. I felt good. It felt yes. welcoming. And so what I realized is there's no welcome sign out on the front porch, but once you come inside and pull up a chair to the table, oh, you'll, it'll seem like you had been there forever. And so I said, here's the thing to black moms, you're going to have to come inside and pull up a chair and you'll have to take my word for it that once you get inside, it will be all good. I've, I've tested the water and I can attest to the fact that this is a safe zone and a perfect place to raise your babies. But then I also had to tell, you know, white moms, Hey, can you put a welcome sign out? Do you mind? Yeah. Because you know, you don't have to, but we teach our children hospitality. Don't we talk about this and, and they're going to make handicrafts for other people and they're going to learn foreign language to communicate with other people. And they're going to study geography and the ways and lives and places of other people. And at the very least as moms, can we put out a sign that says um, you're welcome here. And then to the leaders, it was kind of a thought that um, we are here. And it's very difficult to kind of make our way in, we being mothers of color. And it feels like you guys all know each other and you're all this great big family. And while I'm everyone's kind, I don't feel like I really have an opportunity to share my expertise or my knowledge or, and and I'm not the only mother of color who feels this way. So it was kind of like, how do we get to kind of have a voice in what's being said and communicated about the Charlotte Mason philosophy here? And, you know, this is where I feel like I got the most pushback. What was said was, you know, some of what's been said is, well, you guys need to come in and show what you have and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do, you know, make it the same way we made it. And to Mm -hmm. that, I say, you're probably right, but it's scary. And so what I'm saying is not that you owe it to me or to the other moms. You don't owe us anything. You're right. We should just kind of do what you did, I guess. But that it's very scary. And if you were willing to reach out a hand across the water and, you know, kind of walk across with me, I would be thankful for it. 
Um, so not that I'm not demanding it, but I, I'm just asking, would you? That is beautiful. I'm just going to read a, a, a small paragraph from the end. You said this, this is not about a specific curriculum. The philosophy is not about black or white. The Charlotte Mason world is a rare space ripe with the opportunity for us to unite as mothers with a common purpose rooted in Christ and watered with the collective love we have for our children, both yours and mine. So beautiful. And do you think, Amber, that things have begun to change since June the 11th when you published that? (laughs) I see progress. I do see hands being extended. I see welcome signs being put out and, um, and I just love it. It feels, it's very emotional for me because I feel, um, one that I'm feel like I'm being heard. I feel like I'm being validated and all of the things that I had gone so long without, but I also get emotional when I think about the new moms who won't have to, sorry, my voice is cracking. This is exactly what I wanted, that all of these new moms can come in and feel like they belong and their children have a space mm. in something beautiful because it's hard to look, to be on the outside and yeah. see something wonderful and feel like you can't do it. Sympathy by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. I know what the caged bird feels, alas, when the sun is bright on the upland slopes, when the wind stirs soft through the springing grass, and the river flows like a stream of glass, when the first bird sings and the first bud opes, and the faint perfume from its chalice steals. I know what the caged bird feels. I know why the caged bird beats his wing till its blood is red on the cruel bars, for he must fly back to his perch and cling when he fain would be on the bough a swing, and a pain still throbs in the old, old scars, and they pulse again with a keener sting. I know why he beats his wing. I know why the caged bird sings, ah, me when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore, when he beats his bars and would be free. It is not a carol of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends from his heart's deep core, but a plea that upward to heaven he flings. I know why the caged bird sings. You do have some really beautiful resources called the Heritage Packs. Um, I'd love for you to tell us more about those, how they came about, and um, yeah, yeah so how people can get hold of them. For a while now, since I started the blog, I would always get comments or emails or direct messages and people asking me, will you talk about all these wonderful things you're doing with your kids? And I see it. Like, can you share your lesson plans? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure because this is what it looks like. We get up in the morning, we have breakfast and we would walk into the room and I would look at the shelf and I would grab something off of it and we would dig in and talk about it and 
you know, some Google searches and then whatever was on display at our history museum that tied into that, it, it was so organic. And so to write that down, I'm like, I don't have any lesson plans. We're just doing it. And then I felt like, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm lying <laughs> yes. and all of that. So once my oldest got out of, I mean, I'm sorry, my youngest got out of diapers and I had a little, I was sleeping through the night. I wasn't nursing anymore. I mean, it's hard to think during those years. And I started, yeah. So I started going back Completely. through like my planner <laughs> yeah. and my notes and going through my bookshelf and kind of, um, taking notes of what I had done. And this is the fruit of that. So the heritage packs basically are topical wow. and most of them are broken out. Basically they're reading plans, lesson guides broken out um, mostly for 36 weeks. Some of them are, I think one of them is a little bit shorter and they are things that you can use. I say, if you want to add a little flavor to your, um, to your lessons, yes. because, um, <laughs> in some cases, some of what we have been teaching our children is bad. You know what I mean? It's just not good. Now we know better and we need to stop teaching our kids yeah. that, but in yeah. a lot of cases, it's not that yeah. what we were using is bad. It just wasn't enough, right? We needed more, um, right. not in quantity, but in breath. And so, needed to... yeah, yeah. Yeah, because as we was to say, it was narrow. That's wasn't it. it. And, you, and so yeah, we have to this widen is kind everything. of what that yes. was, you know, designed for. So I say on the site that they're designed to help home educators bridge the gap between traditional curriculum they love and the legitimate need to add some delicious butterscotch, caramel, and mocha fudge to the yummy cream. So <laughs> in other it. words, I'm saying, you know what, I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> this is not a full curriculum. What it is, is an overlay that you can scooch some things aside, pull a few things out and put this in um, to help widen um to help uh lay more of a, a varied feast for your child and so there are six available right now and i'm always working on more you know how that goes um and so for the younger children yeah, you know yeah. there's some <laughs> focus to like the very first one on amazing africa because i think it's so important that we show children and on the continent of Africa, brown children who are living and thriving and, and have mummies and daddies and grandmas and friends that they play with and things that they do before we dig into this U.S. history and enslavement and the heaviness of all of yeah. that. I think it's nice to be able to introduce the our children to um to other families and children that they can relate to before we get into all of that and and fear and then we have melanated tales and it's fairy tales and folk tales and all of the things that we typically do with our form one students but all of these are will show images and tell yeah. stories of brown children in those tales and then the other ones just are topical on general black history and the harlem renaissance and civil rights and, and important times and um, things that have happened in U.S. history with African-American people. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what the thought was. So they're my lesson plans just printed on pretty paper. Friends, before we leave, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has been sharing and singing the praises of the Modern Miss Mason podcast 
on Instagram and Facebook and stories. I'm just loving seeing how much you're enjoying them and how much they are helping you. Thank you also to everybody who has tapped on the five stars on the podcast platform and also left a review. And as you know, by now, the reviews aren't really for me. They are for any other home educator who is looking for quality and peaceful input into their Charlotte Mason journey. So um, if you have a moment today, I would love it if you could just pop onto the podcast platform tap those five stars and just a few words about how this podcast is helping you at the moment. If you want to know more about the Charlotte Mason philosophy, one of the things you could do is sign up for my Charlotte Mason Unboxed course. Uh, you just need to tap on the details of in the podcast app of this episode and there is a link tree to everywhere I am across the internet and there is a specific link on there that's a Charlotte Mason unbox. So head over there today, have a look. You can scroll before you enroll, have a really good look at the content of the course um, before you commit to signing up to that. But I'd love to see you over there. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you loved it, share it with a friend, pop it on your social media, WhatsApp the link to your homeschool group. And to help even more people find us, why don't you take a moment to click those five stars on the podcast app and leave a gleaming review. You can find me on my website on modernmissmason.com or on Facebook and Instagram most days, again, on Modern Miss Mason. Have a delight-filled week. I'll be back here next Monday.